0: Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to see uh, you all, and it is uh, great to have all of you who are uh, joining us uh, online, and of course, uh, Uh, Like, Christmas is like right around the corner, isn't it? This is like our last Sunday before our uh, Christmas services. Hope that uh, you can uh, make those uh, here or online. And, uh, you know, just uh, thinking about the Christmas series and uh, wrapping up kind of this uh, short series that we're doing right now, uh, Making Room, uh, just, uh, you know, thinking about the birth of Christ and uh, came across some old photos of when our uh, first child was born, Chandler, many, many, many years uh, ago. And it was uh, just kind of looking at these photos, it was just like there were some things that kind of struck me. um, And I thought I would show you a few of these photos. This is uh, after Chandler was born. Uh, in uh, Angie's uh, hospital room. So like after, you know, he's born and, uh, and I think it was later that day and we've got a picture right there. Uh, that's me in, my, in the bottom right-hand corner in my styling uh, 90s uh, shirt there, as you see. And uh, there's like uh, grandparents and cousins and aunts uh, in there. Got another picture, because like people kept coming in. Like the nurse would say, uh, there's someone else here. Uh, do, can they come in? And we're like, sure. Like and it was just like all of this support. And uh, I don't know who snapped this picture, but like I counted like 14 people in there. A lot of those were uh, Angie and I had a college small group that we were leading. And they just kept like flowing in, all of these college students uh, in here. And we had that place packed out. Slightly different than if you were to have a child right now in a hospital, right? Right now, Um, different times for sure. And just thinking about like the people that showed up and all of the support and the excitement and everything, and just thinking about that experience, um, the, the birth of our first child, and Chandler was also the first grandchild on both sides to be born. So, like, there are just people, like, flowing in uh, on this thing. Uh, got to be, uh, got to thinking about uh, the nativity, because, um, uh, you know, getting these Christmas cards and there's all these nativity scenes on them. And I picked out one nativity uh, scene or picture I want you to look at. It's it's one that's uh, really busy, lot going on there. Uh, you can see uh, there's Mary and Joseph and like a lot of sheep and some wise men. There's a shepherd over on the corner over there somewhere. Uh, interestingly enough, not just camels and donkeys, but um, I thought it was a Holstein uh, cow over there under the angel on the right. Someone after the last service said no. Um, that would be a Guernsey cow so I don't know Uh, so maybe a Guernsey cow and behind that almost looks like a llama don't know how they got that out of the Greek out of the New Testament but maybe I I don't know lots of things going on there but when you look at that busy as it is um, let me ask you this, uh, this question and you think about those pictures I showed you when Chandler was born what what's missing out of the nativity scene, and not just that nativity scene, but when you think about any nativity scene that you've seen, picture or painting or, or whatever, what's missing? Relatives and friends, aunts and uncles, and like all the people that you normally think of that just show up um, when a child is born, right? That just like because it, it is such a special. thing thing, right? Like, it is the moment where people reach out and uh, and not just congratulating, but they're there to support. They're there to encourage. Like, like that's normal. And yet, there's something about that nativity scene that we've all seen, uh, and it's probably very accurate, isn't it? That that there's something missing out of it. And, and we see why it unfolds out of the Christmas story. And I wanna read that uh, part of it uh, to you here this uh, morning. Look with me at Luke chapter two, go to Luke chapter two. And I wanna read just a few verses out of the, the Christmas story because when we, we think about this idea of making room, there's something that comes out in the Christmas story that's important to notice. Look at verse four, Luke chapter two, verse four. Says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. They were like engaged and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I want you to think about that last line. There was no room for them in the inn. And I don't know if you were like uh, me, uh, you know, kind of growing up, uh, you know, the image I always had of like, there was no room for them in the inn. I always pictured, you know, uh, Mary and Joseph, you know, traveling all over Bethlehem, and they're hitting like every motel six there is, and it's just, you know, no vacancy signs anywhere, because this giant census is, is taking place. Uh, but, you know, when you uh, dive a little deeper into the language, you, uh, you, you really understand what Luke is saying. You know, there's a word in Greek uh, that is used to describe what we think of as an inn, like a motel or whatever. In fact, I think, I think the word is used um, Uh, one time in the New Testament, maybe more, but at least one time in the story of the Good Samaritan and the Good Samaritan uh, takes care of this guy that was uh, beat up and takes him to uh, like an inn and pays for it or whatever. That's what we would normally think of. This, the word that Luke uses here, isn't describing that at all. In fact, it's describing a kind of room or space within a home that was often a more common living space, but it was also the space that was dedicated uh, for a guest or a relative or someone traveling through. It it would be more closely associated to what we think of as a guest room. It was the place the guest could stay. And you remember um, the whole reason why they're going back is because of this census, and everyone had to go back to what? like their hometown or the hometown of their lineage. And so what would be in Bethlehem for Joseph? It would be all of his family. Like, like this is, he's going back to Bethlehem because this is where his family was originally established. He, it's, it's not like there would just be like one home there that belonged to Joseph's family. There were probably multiple homes. There would be aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and great-grandparents and, um, you know, second and third cousins. And there'd be all of this family, multiple homes. And so what you have to picture all of a sudden what's going on here, right, is they get to Bethlehem and maybe they've gone to multiple homes of relatives of Joseph's and they see Mary and Joseph. Mary, who is like way pregnant, right? And they're like, yeah, there's just not room. Uh, like, sorry, right? What's going on here, right? This, this really isn't about we don't have the physical space, is it? it? This is about something in their hearts. There's no room in their hearts. That, that is what Luke is um, very cleverly walking out in this moment, that as he goes back to his hometown, there's not a single space in a home of his own relatives that'll let him stay, right? And of course, this is because... For his family, there's like this scandal going on with this thing, right? They're they're looking at Mary who is pregnant, right? And and her and Joseph are only engaged; they're not married yet. And so, like, there's a lot of judgment that is uh, with this. You can see uh, his family probably thinking, you know what? Like, it's you know, like, how could God be a part of them? Why would you know? Like, it's and it would have. Damaged not just the reputation of Mary and Joseph; it would have damaged the reputation of like their whole uh, family in this thing, right? And you and they just and you can just tell it's just like they just like there's this thing of like like God, we don't want to condone this; we don't want to like in all of the things, right? But I think we need to be careful, too, that before we just throw Joseph's family, you know, under the bus for, like, being so mean uh, to Mary, you know, it's important to understand how deep this would have gone. Like, this would have impacted their reputation. It probably would have impacted them economically in some ways. And just imagine, like, how do you walk this out? Think of, of family. Think of Joseph's mom. You know, one of the traditions that was very common in this time was that when um, a son was engaged to be married, during the engagement period, he would actually add on a room to his parents' house, and that would be his room for he and his bride. Like, they would actually come and live and be a part of the groom's family, right? So, um, the, the woman who is pregnant, and, right, and, the, and, the, and you can imagine the rumors going around, it's like, so Joseph's getting ready to marry a woman who's pregnant from another guy, right? And it's like, so, you know, Joseph's mom, that's the woman that's going to come and live in your home, right? How, are you excited about that? And imagine the conversation, you know, like uh, Joseph's mom hears about it and says, okay, so Joseph, I know you're all excited about Mary." But I hear she's pregnant. Oh, it's okay, mom, cuz it's not mine. <laughs> oh. How's that make it better? Oh, well, it's God's. Oh. Ah, see, it just doesn't work, right? You you can and and after time you can see the family going, you know, you've got to come up with a, a a better excuse than this, right? There there's better cover-up lies than than it's God's child, right? That that's that's you know, I don't see that working. In fact, the truth is, how many of us would go, oh, I believe that, right? I, we'd probably struggle with this and the impact on it. I think we get to this place, and probably by the time we get to verse seven here, right, where it's like there's just no room in their heart. They've written Mary and Joseph off. Think about for months now right 8 9 months his extended family has heard about all of this and for them like they've probably been waiting for for words that were apologetic or a confession or at least remorse or understanding but instead they keep hearing stories about talking angels and a miracle pregnancy and I think they probably just get to this point, and they're just like, I, like, I've heard enough. And they just write them off. Like, there's just no room. But what we know, and the thing that is so sad about this part, about verse 7, is that this is when God does the most amazing thing, right? Verse 7 is the verse like where Jesus is born. Right. It's also the verse that, you know, it talks about like there was no room uh, in their in their homes. There was no room in the inn, And yet like this is the moment that God has said in human history. I'm I like, I'm going to step into human history, but I'm going to say I'm going to come and abide. Right. This I'm going to manifest myself into human history. This is where God comes in human form because he loved us so much. Right. It was this day, like this. It's hard to find any point in history, right? More important than this, right? There like there are a small handful of moments in history that equal this. And the sad thing is because they had no room in their hearts, they miss it. Like they they're close, right? They they're not far away. And they miss one of the most extraordinary moments of God working in human history. And so the reason, like, I want to look at this story from this aspect right before Christmas in this way is when I think about how they missed it, I wonder if there's someone in your life, it's something for me to think about in my life, where maybe there's just not room for them any longer in my own heart. And it happens. But what I don't want to have happen to you or to me is that just because we've, we've written somebody off or we've lost room in our hearts for them, that we end up missing something that God does in an extraordinary way. Because God loves to do extraordinary things. And I don't want you to miss something, even this Christmas season, that maybe God is doing. And without realizing it, there's a moment where maybe in some way, um, there's just not room in your heart. And And it happens to all of us. It can happen all at once, right? It can happen at the office, at work. How many times have, uh, have you ever had someone at work or some place and they say or do something or they, they behave in a way that has implications on you and it hurts? Maybe they're just mean or rude and, right, we can build a wall. We can close them off in that moment. and. It's almost like from then on, like there's just no room in our heart uh, for them. Uh, maybe they do something sneaky a- around you and you're just like, I don't, I don't trust them, right? And, but that lack of trust com- turns into this kind of, of, of walling them off until there's just no room in your heart. Maybe it's something that doesn't happen like uh, all of a sudden or all at once or in a big way. Maybe it's something that's just built up over time and it's happened in little ways. Maybe it's someone in your family and they've just they've got a label for you. And even if they don't always use the label, it's how they think of you. And it just gets old, right? And as they use that label, you feel judged, or you just and you're just like, you know, I just I don't have room for that anymore. Or it's someone, maybe it's even a friend or a neighbor, someone you've known for a long time, and slowly you've just realized there are things that you don't see eye to eye on. And those things that you don't see eye to eye on have become the thing that has caused you to just slowly write them off. But friends, the problem is sometimes, sometimes we can write people off, and without realizing it, we can close ourselves off to something that maybe God wants to do in an extraordinary way. Maybe sometimes it's the thing that we actually need. And we just miss it. You know, years and years ago, um, I was doing a funeral, or excuse me, a hospital visit um, that, uh, for a man that I'd known uh, uh, quite a long time, he had two daughters and he had a massive heart attack. Um, He was on uh, some sort of life support, but he uh, didn't have oxygen to his brain uh, for uh, an extended amount of time. And, and even before I got to the hospital, like the word that I had gotten and understood was that like, he's going to pass. Like he's essentially brain dead at this point. Um, and right before I walked into the hospital room, I met a few of their extended uh, family. And they were like, you know, um, uh, we need you to fix something with his daughters. He had two daughters that were uh, close to the same age. And, and they said, you know, they're like, there's all of this tension. And the tension was... Uh, Over how long to leave their dad on life support and there was all this tension uh, with uh, the mom and these two daughters over it and the reason for the tension was this that this dynamic had gotten created slowly in this family over years where each daughter kind of had a favorite parent Each daughter had a parent that they saw as their advocate more than the other parent. They each had a parent, right, uh, advocate and encourager, the one that is on my side, the one that I need. And all of a sudden in this moment, with dad being lost, there's one daughter who's losing her advocate in life. There's one daughter who's losing the one that was in her that was her encourager, that was always for her. And so to her, right, this discussion about, like, uh, when should we pull the plug, right? She's just like, why are we even talking about this now, right? Why can't we wait? Let's see what God does, right? Isn't there a chance? Isn't, you know? And then she has a sister who's like, we've let this go on too long, and this isn't fair. I don't think this is what Dad would want. And just... And, they, and, and it was this tension that just, like, just was so pronounced in small ways, but so strong. And what made it so difficult was neither one of them had any room anymore for the other. They had lived in this thing where there was just no room. And now, with uh, the imminent passing of their dad, it just became pronounced. But here was the sad part. Here's the part that broke my heart. As I talked with those two sisters, adults now, um, starting families of their own, they each held something that the other desperately needed, right? There's, there's one daughter there that, like, this is, this is her chance to understand the loss that her sister is beginning to face and begin to appreciate something that she has with her mom, to be able to extend something forward in this moment, um, to see things differently, right? There's another daughter in this moment. This is the moment she needs acceptance, that like, she's never felt that she's received uh, in some way, maybe from her mom and, for sure, her sister, right? And they're both holding all of this need And it's the other sister that holds so much of what they need. This could be a moment, like this could be a God moment where they minister to one another and they see God work through each other in the most beautiful way, in a moment that they needed it most while they're mourning and suffering and struggling. But they missed it. Because they just had no room in their heart for the other one. And sometimes that happens, friends. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we get hurt in deep ways, like in this story. Sometimes it's small ways. Sometimes it's just uh, uh, those little ways that we just get hurt, and, and, right, and we wall them off. And I guess my question to you here this morning in this, and I don't, like, I don't mean this, and I mean this, and I even ask this, I want to ask this in the most delicate of ways, without judgment, without harshness, but it's this. Is there someone in your life that you've just, you just don't have room in your heart for them anymore? And consequently, it's like there's a part of you that if you were really honest, you'd go, you know, I just don't think God would ever do in, like God's not at work in their life, and God wouldn't do any work in my life through them. You've just kind of written them off in this moment. You see them, and maybe it's not because of woundedness. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you just say, you know, I, they're just kind of an insincere person, or I see them as weak, or I see them as too broken, and I and just like I, I like I, that's not the person I want to be around. And I just don't think God would work with that. Or maybe maybe there's a kind of label you have. Like We all have that awareness when we get labeled in some way that it feels uncomfortable. But have you ever thought that maybe maybe you've got a label that when you see them, it's just, right, it's that generational thing. It's just, you know, they're, they're just a millennial. They're just an Xer. They're just a boomer. Or they're just a Democrat. Or they're just a Republican, right? And over time we can start to just see them just as some label until there's no room in our heart for them. And in a weird way, you can miss what God might be doing in that relationship. And that's the thing that I don't want you to miss. That's the thing. When I look back on the Christmas story, right, you think about it, man, I wish Joseph's family could have taken it all in, right? Don't you, can you imagine what it would have been like for them to have realized that God chose their family to do this amazing thing? Can you imagine how that would have been uplifting and pulled them forward to, to know that they would be a part of it? But like there was a part of them that missed that. So um, I wanna just like close out my time here with just two, just two points of application for all of us to consider in this Christmas season for how maybe we can make some room in our hearts in a way that allows us not to miss something that God might be doing in our lives. So just two things with me. The first one is this. It's simply this. Don't limit what God can do. Don't limit what God can do. Ponder this question just for a second. Um, Is there a limit to what God can do? Like, think about that for just a second. Like, is, do you believe that there's a limit to what God can do? Because if there's not a limit to what God can do, that means there's not a limit to where he can do it. It means there's not a limit to who he can do that with or in. Think about what that means right and you know there's this beautiful truth that comes out in the christmas story and you see it all through scripture it's not just in the christmas story but it's this simple truth god loves to work in unforeseen ways through unlikely people in unexpected ways like like you just see that like there are moments when god God loves to work in secret, in unforeseen ways, that he just works in the background and he doesn't need to make a big show out of it. He loves to do that. And you know what? He probably loves to do that in your life as well, right? And because he does it sometimes in unforeseen ways, it it is easy uh, to miss in all of this. And God loves to work with the most unlikely people at times, which may mean that one of those unlikely people would be one of those people that you would think is unlikely. Like, no, God would never want to work with that person and but what if he does I you you think about the Christmas story He works with shepherds, right? Shepherds, you know, if you study the background of this, like they were the most uninfluential people uh, in the first century in this setting, right? And yet God says, I'm going to work with shepherds. I'm going to use them to help spread the word of what I'm doing. And if it was me writing the story, I would have said, okay, I'm going to pick the top political leaders. I'm going to pick the top spiritual leaders. We're going to get the high priest involved in this thing. And we're going to get, you know, the emperor of Rome. And we're going to just like, that's... And God's like, no, I want to use unlikely people. I want to to use the person that maybe we wouldn't pick first. And so maybe, maybe that person you wouldn't pick, maybe, maybe God does want to use that person in a special way that you have never thought of in there. And maybe God wants to do something that would minister to you. So when you think When you realize, when you think about that person, you just say, ah, just remember, right? I don't want to put a limit on what I think God can do because that's a fast way to miss what God does in these things. Second thing, second thing here uh, just briefly that I want us to think about is this. Um, So don't limit what God can do, but don't miss it when he does it. When you see God beginning to act in some way, like don't miss it, like step into that moment, right? The beautiful thing that we see about the shepherds is they act on it, right? They are there. They get to be in the nativity scene, right? They're there, they're a part of it. The other one that I love is the wise men, right? They show up late, right? Historically, they probably got there uh, years after the fact. Um, They probably don't even understand fully all that's happening on this, right? They're just following stars. And yet there's a part of this where it's like they have so little, but like they step into it. They trust this thing. And that's one of those things that like we can do as well. Now, I do want to put this caveat uh, in here as well. That what I'm also saying in this is that um, in those relationships that have tension in those moments where you might say, gosh, I, you know, there's a part of me that I, I, I will struggle to not let my heart get closed off. It, what I'm not saying is, hear me on this, is that you need to just not have boundaries in any of the relationships that you have, right? If there's someone that's wounded you, what I'm not saying is just go back and be a victim again, in the, right? That, God's not asking us to do that. But it is being open that when God starts to work and move in that unexpected way, Oftentimes, if you're like me, right, there's that little check in my spirit. And I'm just like, well, oh, you just keep on working on that, God. God, you know, that's, you do your thing. I don't know that I want to be open to that. But maybe, maybe we need to have the boldness to step into those moments. About two years after I walked into that hospital room um, and talked with those two sisters, um, I. Um, had a long conversation with them again in this building right back there after one of the services. Um, And I think each of them had had another kid uh, since then. And I remembered the funeral right after he had died that all that tension was still there. And I was a little surprised to see these two sisters with their kids and their mom all there And uh, I said hi to them, and we started talking, and they actually brought up the funeral and talked about all the tension that was there, and I was like, and like, they spoke to it with a kind of lightheartedness that really surprised me. And I was like, so, like, how are things now? And they said, you know, as we started to have some more kids, a remarkable thing happened. Independently, they each noticed they were starting to build in some things and repeat within their own families that unhealthy dynamic that they had as sisters in their family. And they each recognized it as something that God was trying to show them. And they each independently said, we don't want to repeat this. And they just took one step to have a conversation. And the moment they both reco- they were both so shocked that like God was at work in the other, that the gift that they needed so desperately from each other two years earlier, they were able to give to each other um, eventually. And it became the most beautiful thing right? They found a new level of acceptance and sisterhood between one another and sharing and raising kids and acceptance and love that they longed for. Those gifts are there. Step into them. And when you think about the Christmas season, right, we celebrate a season that is all about a God who didn't have to step into our lives, didn't have to do anything, but he did He wanted to. It was his delight. And as we celebrate this season of the miracle and the beauty of God sending his son into this world to redeem us and to open us up to the miracle of life with him, don't miss whatever miracles he wants to do in your life, even if he might want to do it through an unlikely person in unlikely circumstances. Before I close, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray in just a moment. But Andy's going to come back up and share just a few things that you'll want to know as uh, we uh, step into our Christmas season and our Christmas services uh, coming up here. But let me, let me close this uh, in prayer here. Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and what an amazing gift he is. And we just ask that in this Christmas season, um, Help us to see where you're working. Help us to see where maybe we're closing ourselves off, where we don't have room. And help us to open our hearts to have room and enjoy the beauty of what you and only you can do in our lives. And we pray this in your son's name, amen.